Well, it's interesting because I really believed that uh, I was supposed to talk to you about grace tonight. What am I doing? And, um, you know, when you just feel something. And then um, it was interesting the journey that it went from there. So I don't know whether it'll be grace that gets talked about tonight, but, you know. That's where, where it was supposed to start with. But what's interesting is that as you listen to the words of that song, as far as I'm concerned, I could feel that there was grace in that song. Could you feel it? There was grace in that song. But sometimes you, quite, you don't quite know how to define it or what words to use to express it. But you know it was there. Something was going on in that song, the words of that song, that says... I, that, that woman had a grace moment. She experienced something that was fantastic, right? And um, as I started thinking about defining grace, it, it got really funny because obviously I've been in this business, whatever you want to call it, for a very long time. And uh, you, you go back to what we were told about grace a long time ago, that it was the uh, free, unmerited favour of God for mankind. And that's what sticks with you. But you see, as I was um, doing a little bit of research, I realized that that was such a very, can I use the word shallow, um, or very just not enough, uh, insufficient, thank you, way of talking about grace. Because it's like it just has one handle to the handlebars of the bike. And it's just not enough. So I thought, okay, well, we better, better do a bit of research on this. Excuse me, you know what I'm like, runny nose and everything. Um, so I thought, okay, where's the best place to go to, to find out about grace? What did Jesus have to say about grace? Guess what? Absolutely nothing. Now, some of you are going to freak out and say, well, if, it, he must have. Actually, if you look in the concordance of, a, of the Bible, you will find that the word grace did not come out of Jesus' mouth one time. Now go on, gasp. Surely you're amazed at that, aren't you? Well, I was anyway. Um, in the Gospels, which is the account of Jesus' life, basically the word grace is only used three times. The first one is when it's talking about Jesus as a as a, a little chap growing up, it says that um, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Yay. There you go. That's one. The other one was the references in John. Uh, of course, that was one of the, the disciples of Jesus said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. You can finish that one, can't you? Full of grace and truth. Yay. That's the other one. And then the other one was, which is also in John, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. But you see, that is talking about Jesus. It's not Jesus talking about grace. Now, I was, I was staggered. You're looking at me as though, well, we already knew that. Thank you very much. Well, I didn't. So here we go. So, of course, I'm thinking, well, heck, if my... Uh, definition of grace, which is the free unmerited favour of God on my life, um, means just that. And we've just said that the grace of God was on Jesus. Heck, we've got a bit of a problem. Because why would Jesus 
need the, the free unmerited favour of God on his life if he was perfect and holy? So it has to, it's a good question, isn't it? So grace has to mean more. Now, if I was to say to you, what comes into your head when you think of grace? We were asking this question the other day. I mean, for me straight away, I usually think of uh, things like uh, tolerance or, you know, being gracious, going the second mile. You know, if, if, if somebody's really upset you and, and they're trying to put it right, but they've really upset you, you know, grace is when you go, all right, oh, go on. You know, you're not, to me, that's how grace works. But you can't be saying that that's what God's doing to Jesus. Are you with me? Is God acting like that with Jesus? He says grace was upon him. Is that the sort of grace that Jesus was experiencing from God? Well, I don't think so. So anyway, it just makes you think, okay, there's got to be something more to grace than this. And and I'll, you know, I've only got a few minutes, so I'll, I'll, I'll just blurt it all out. Grace is so vast, incredible, so big. In essence, it's undefinable that we actually fall over before we even start. Can I listen to this? I'm going to have to go to the bottom of the page to tell you this because, you know, I'd put it at the end, but I'm bringing it forward. Listen to this. This guy, he said this, grace can be dissected as a frog, but the thing dies in the process and the innards are discouraging to any but the pure scientific mind. I thought that was brilliant. So what I thought to myself is that I'm not going to do any dissecting of frogs tonight, just in order that you might look at the innards of grace and think, what? Do you get me? Because it's too big, it's too vast, it's too incredible for words, but I want you to understand that the grace of God encompasses you, it's everywhere, it's in every molecule of creation, and it wants to be part of you and bless you and and provide for you and help you and the power and the sorry the grace that was on Jesus's life in the grace that he experienced was this power within him to say do you know what I, I can overcome I can do anything I can even endure death and it's gonna be okay that's grace and I didn't show you any innards of frogs did I? But it's still insufficient, but I'm trying. So here's the next question. If, now I've got to go back. Just hang on, because I'm not good at this either. I'm rubbish. Give me a pen and piece of paper any day. Okay, so we could ask a lot of questions about what you think about grace, but let's just move on. See, usually words like covering a mistake, forgiveness for a wrong, putting up with, tolerating, accepting the unacceptable, loving the unlovable. You know, all of those things sort of come to us and we've just agreed that that's not the sort of grace that, that, that Jesus was getting from Father God, was it? No, we've agreed that. So in the Gospels, which is the accounts of Jesus' life, we see that he doesn't speak about grace at all. And this is what came to me. Jesus was full of grace and he lived it and did it. So when you look at his life, you're seeing grace in action. Now, what I'm going to do is tell you, go and read it, 
Go see what he did, what he said, what he was doing. And then you might just get some revelation and figure out the light might come on. It might not because you might get jolly well confused. Because even it says in the Bible that sometimes Jesus told stories and he didn't intend for them to understand it. And you think, for crying out loud, if you want to build a kingdom, surely put it in words so clear that everybody understands and then they might just sign up for the program but it actually says he didn't do that oh dear I wonder why well I think I've got it because you see as far as I'm concerned as I start then to look a bit further Jesus wasn't gonna do the whole job himself of explaining everything because there's an evolving uh, thing going on with with the, the whole understanding of God it's getting bigger it's getting bigger we're understanding more we're getting fresh revelation all the time and it's not gonna stop so you get this idea that Jesus comes to earth and does his bit and then there's somebody else lined up to do their bit. And guess who it was? It was a guy called Paul. Now you've all heard of Paul, have you? Our, oh, hang on a minute. See, I pressed something. Oh dear. Right. See, up until Jesus died, he was doing something which sometimes it's hard to understand. And I don't want to get bogged down uh, too much. But you see, Jesus came to put an end to one thing in order that something else could start. Let me just leave it at that. So Jesus was doing his job here. He took his life, but that was okay because the grace of God was upon him. And then he was leaving the job of explaining what he had done through the cross, through his death, to somebody else, and that's the Apostle Paul. And it's absolutely amazing because in the letters of Paul that he wrote to all these people, and they're they're fabulously contained uh, in the New Testament, he is the one who introduces us to the concept of grace in the context of our getting sorted. Let me just use that word, getting sorted with God. Now, up to that point, right, The whole understanding, and it's the same with lots of other religions, and don't get me wrong, this is not me dissing other religions, I'm just talking, making a comparison, that basically in order to get right with God, there were things that you had to do. That is basically what religion is, things you do in order to get something back. And that's what you do. If you've watched the, the, the um, wonderful series of the Vikings, which we love, don't we? You'll see how constantly their main aim is to make sure that the gods are happy so that they will get victory over their enemies. And so they line up to have their throats slit. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but they do. Oh, if I can bring victory for my people, you take me. And of course, all their wives are going doing they said no I will because we've got to keep the gods happy so that was the basic idea of of religion even sadly in the Jewish religion who Jesus came to be with because he was a Jew they had embraced this idea that to please God it was love God but also do this 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 and this and then you'll be okay 
So the concept of grace that Paul suddenly brings into the arena, that actually there is a realm, which he called grace, in which faith works, and I've put it in big capital letters, without any help from any of us. Isn't that lovely? In order that salvation might be realised. So it works without any help from any of us. Isn't that gorgeous? And this is the grace that, um, that Paul talks about. Now, Paul wasn't always good at, uh, at, at being graceful in practice, but he sure knew how to talk about it. See, we said Jesus was brilliant at it. Paul wasn't so good at it, but boy, could he talk about it. He never shut up about it. Now, why did he never shut up about it? Because he had an encounter with it. Woo. And I really feel that that's what God was putting on my heart for you to listen to tonight. I want some of you, well, I want all of you and me to have an encounter with grace because it absolutely revolutionizes our lives. So um, he always starts and ends his letters with this grace thing. Grace be to you. Grace be to you. Grace. It must be something massive because he keeps pushing it out there. And he makes sure that in all of that he is saying, he's making sure everybody understands that there's this new concept, this new idea called grace, which is saying you can be okay with God without doing a thing. How awesome. And if any of you are in here for the first time tonight and you've never sort of understood this before, this is the concept really of Christianity. It's what in fact, should um, differentiate us, it's supposed to be. And in all honesty, I'll get down again. This is what I was going to say at the end. What is the thing you find the least in some Christian churches now? It's grace. Because instead of saying what, what, what Christ has done is enough, it's you have to do this plus, you see? And so we, what should be the... Um, the, the fundamental concept of Christianity, if we're not careful, we say, actually, let's go back. And that's where we sang that song tonight. We ain't going back. We've had an encounter with grace and, and we're going to keep having the encounter with grace. So it's interesting to note that, that, that it's grace that differentiates us. Um, but like I said, sometimes what you find the least in some Christian churches is, uh, is grace itself. But um, let me just give you a bit of background because obviously we want to know how we came to have this encounter with grace. See, Paul was not around in Jesus's day. He was not one of the 12 uh, disciples. He didn't have anything to do with Jesus. And Jesus was already crucified and he rose again according to what we believe um, before Paul had any understanding of it at all. He was a Jewish guy, a very rigid Jew who kept the Torah, who did everything, was absolutely, you know, uh, solid in the context of, of his faith and what he believed. Now, he had a conversion, which we don't need to talk about, but he had an encounter with a bright light. Now, I think after all that Anne's been talking about and the fact that there was a light just like in the beginning, let there be light. He had this encounter and it knocked him to the floor. And let's just say that he, he had this, well, 
according to the story, had this, this conversation and he said it was the risen Lord. He says, this is, this is Jesus who we crucified, who's now, is the Christ who's talking to me. And various things happened and basically he had, uh, he'd been, he went blind and he went to this person's house, this guy prayed for him and he got healed. And of course, that was the start of his incredible uh, ministry. Um, Now, Paul had experienced something that that day that didn't fit with the other disciples' uh, framework. Now, the other disciples had walked with Jesus as a flesh man. And like I said, he was doing stuff. He was doing all sorts of things that they connected with and they liked what he was doing and in fact they believed it was the Messiah they said this is the one who's been prophesied and he is it is and they put their faith in him and they believed but you see ultimately they wanted an earthly kingdom with a king who was going to fight against Roman occupation but of course when Jesus then gets crucified and dies that all gets a bit Ooh, what happened there? We thought it was it. Anyway, it actually works okay because a lot of the disciples still accept, they still say, do you know, I do believe he was the Messiah. It was him. And so they had a gospel. They said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll keep preaching about Jesus and we'll basically get people to say, look, if you'll only say that you're sorry that when he was here, uh, you rejected him, then it'll still be okay. We can still see the kingdom come in. It'll still be okay. And that's what the disciples basically were doing. Paul, on the other hand, has had this encounter that's absolutely blown his socks off. And he's now talking about this grace that says, you don't have to do none of this anymore, because this is what the other Jews were continuing to do. Um, He says, this is now the, the, the situation. So you can imagine what was going on. There was war. Because they, it was like, we can't let Paul preach this. This is absolutely dis- disgraceful. But you see, what was happening was when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, they were hearing kingdom on earth. And Jesus wasn't talking about kingdom on earth. But they were a bit thick because what is it like when you've got blinkers on and you've told yourself something for so long that in the end you can't hear anything else? And they were still hearing, we're going to get a king, we're going to get a king. Paul comes on the scene, he says, you're not going to, you're not going to have an earthly kingdom where you're going to have a king. It's all changed. What grace is going to do now, he says, instead of having a kingdom and a king, it's going to be sort of a picture is more like a body where Christ will be the head and everybody will be included in like this body. Now, you might say, well, that sounds like a a strange picture, but listen to this. A king and people in the kingdom, they are subjects. Not much relationship there. But what is a head to a body? Oh, partnership. Because basically the head can't do much without the body and the body can't do much without the head. So what Paul had understood, he says, you lot are barking up the wrong tree. You still want your earthly kingdom. And, you know, yes, you, you, you accepted that he was the Messiah, but there's something bigger than that. There's something better than that. We can all come in and we can actually be part of a body with Christ as, a, as the head and we can all be part of this incredible thing. 
Do you think they're like that? They wanted their king and they wanted their kingdom. We can all be a bit like that in our lives, can't we? So anyway, Paul does his own thing for about 17 years on his own because he wasn't accepted. He wasn't welcome for the message that he was preaching because he basically was saying, look, you don't have to keep the law anymore. That's obsolete. You don't have to keep. And this thing called circumcision. You don't have to do that either. Well, of course, to say that to these devout Jews was just absolute blasphemy. So basically, Paul was getting thrown out of the synagogue because of his teachings. And, you know, you'll read this in Scripture. They even had Gorim and said, look, if you'll only do this, this and this, people will stop treating you badly. They'll actually welcome you into their camp because they'll see that you're trying. And he said, I'm not going to do it. I've had an encounter I've had an experience and I'm sticking with that. And I hope this is inspiring somebody tonight because I hope you've had such an encounter that you're sticking with it. I know I have. I've had an encounter and it's not a religious one. It's not about the do's and don'ts, but it's about an encounter with grace that says it's what somebody else has done, not what what I've done. So I I hope that's inspiring you. But anyway, just to quickly get this story, I hope I'm not going too fast, but we end up... 17 years later, finally with one of these sort of, uh, what would you call it, a get-together. Let's have a, a talk. And the disciples who were with Jesus when he was on the earth, who are now basically the apostles in Jerusalem, invite Paul in order to try and sort something out. Can't we sort of get to some sort of agreement, you know, can't we do this, that and the other, which of course Paul wasn't going to have any of it. But... Um, what is absolutely amazing about this is that, that Peter, who was basically the head of the, the Jewish church in Jerusalem, listens to um, what is being said uh, by Paul, who is saying, look, you know, this is what's happening. This is, he's, he's telling the story. And Peter suddenly has a light bulb moment, which I just find incredible. Because in the middle of all this disruption, he stands up and he just suddenly says, no, what Paul is saying is right. And from now on, the gospel of grace will be embraced by all of us. And this is the way forward. Are you enjoying it? Is it all right? You didn't know it. I might have got it all wrong. So you better, you know, (laughs) no. This is sort of what happened. Now, remember, like I said, for 1,500 years, the Jews had been practicing certain things. Jesus had come along and he'd introduced himself as, the, as, as their Messiah and some had, had embraced him. But of course, things had changed because he died. But all of a sudden, Peter has an opportunity to make a choice which propels the whole of the Christian faith like you wouldn't believe. Because whether you like it or not, when we talk about the gospel of grace that Christianity is based on, it's actually the revelation of Paul, not anything that Jesus said. Now, don't let that freak you out, because I'm not saying that Jesus didn't agree with it. But like I said at the beginning, 
it was the next step in the evolving, wonderful, uh, what do you call it? Revelation. That Jesus was actually willing to let somebody else carry. Now, I see it like a relay. And I mean, some people hate talking like this because they say, no, you know, Christianity should have set boundaries and set this and we should know where we are and it should, shouldn't change. And we all... Do you know what? I promise you, within five years, there'll be more revelation. You will be finding out the awesome vastness, massiveness of the God that we have come to understand. And if we get ourselves so stuck, a little bit like what the Jews had done, then we're going to miss something incredible. But Peter, he had the guts to say, do you know what? I'm listening. No, this grace thing sounds amazing. So from that point, the gospel of grace was the message. Now, I mean, if you read some of Paul's stuff, he's a, he's a bit of a cocky but you know. He really is. He very, but this is what I find absolutely wonderful. Why did God pick Paul? <laughs> any, any offers? In 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, of himself he says that I am the chief of sinners. What better mouthpiece for grace can you have than somebody who admits I'm a chief of sinner, sinners? See, grace at the level we're talking about is not going to be understood by somebody who doesn't think they've done much wrong. Are you with me? They're not going to need it much. So you've got him admitting he's the chief of sinners. He also considers himself the least. You've got two issues here which are, again, attached to the fundamental understanding of Christianity. First of all, understanding we, we can't do it on our own. Being willing to be humble and say, we're the least. And you know what God says? He says, I'll tell you what, I'll make you my premier apostle on the basis of that. And who is? When you think about it, you've got, you, you've, you've got the fact that right the way throughout the world, the letters of Paul are what are used to help people in, you know, in, in their understanding uh, of, of, of Christian things. So, Jesus said in Matthew, which is lovely, and I just throw you this in for free. Jesus said in Matthew, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now, let's get this. John the Baptist was one of the early disciples with Jesus, right? And Jesus was saying he was great. But then he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I'm thinking, do you know what? Is, is Jesus there actually talking about somebody who's coming? Somebody called Paul? Or maybe he's, he's talking about James. Or, or whoever you are, don't know your names. Do you get me though? Whoever is least in 
The kingdom is greater. Now, what's the, what was the kingdom? It was the kingdom that Paul had said, do you know, this is not a kingdom with a king, but it's a body with a head that where everybody can be included because of this incredible power called grace. And what was amazing was this. Originally, Paul had been sort of called to, to, to uh, speak or, or go and convert what were called the non-Jews. The, the word used is Gentiles, but it was the non-Jews. And the others in Jerusalem were sort of looking after the Jews. And that it had sort of settled to the understanding that a Gentile had to come in if they wanted to join the club the way the Jews came in. But after Paul's revelation of grace, Peter says, do you know what? From now on, it's going to be the other way around. We will come into the kingdom the way they come in. I think that's very, very humble because he's saying, I'll tell you what, I might have had 1,500 years of, of, of teaching of this, but I'm willing to give it up right now for a greater revelation. Oh, I think that's, that's just incredible. So who better to be the mouthpiece of this amazing grace concept? Do you think that without that revelation of grace, Paul could have ever got over what he was as a man. Now, you see, he might have been an incredible, uh, devout Jew and keep the, the law, this, that, and the other, but he was murdering people because he decided that this Christianity thing wasn't a good idea. You know, people following Jesus was wrong. So basically, he would trick them and find out who they were and he would take them to be executed. Now, I don't know when, you know, you, you hear words like the chief of sinners who I'm the one. I don't think he's being clever. I actually think he's saying, do you know what? I can hardly live with myself. Now, none of us in here, well, I don't know. I might be wrong. But I would like to believe that there's no one in here who's sort of gathered up people and taken them and, and thrown them to the lions or anything. But we've all done that which we have felt ashamed of and, and felt just it, it, it wasn't okay. And even then, we struggle to live with ourselves. But you see, the story goes on to say that because of the amazing grace that Paul encountered, it was like that had never happened. Now you say, well, surely he should have always kept it in his mind, made sure that he never ever forgot it, forgot it in order that he might suffer the consequences that's not grace. And I want some of you in here tonight to have this encounter with grace so that you might say, do you know what? I might not have murdered anybody, but I just don't like myself. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel that life's worth living. I'm really, you know, I'd like you to find some of that grace that can be like Paul to say, come on, let's share this grace throughout the world. So, the definition of grace, St. Augustine said, what is grace? I know until you ask me, but when you ask me, I don't know anymore. I like that. That's, that's about as, how I think. Because I always think, yeah, I know, I know what it is. But then if you try to define it, it's like, I can't. But let me just very simply say this. It comes from the Greek word 
I'm going to pronounce it charis because it's from the word charity, what charity is, C-H-A-R-I-S. But actually its root word, its root word is a verb that means, now you're all going to just go, what? It means I rejoice, I am glad. How do they get grace from that? You know, the word, I rejoice, I am glad. I'll tell you why. Because when you've had an encounter with grace, I rejoice, I am glad. Do you get it? So those of you in here tonight who struggle to say, I rejoice, I am glad, you need an encounter with grace. We have limited grace to a one dimension, just about it being this unmerited favour for the things that we feel incredibly unable or whatever. But actually, there's a phrase which helps it's the divine influence on the heart and then how that reflects in one's life. Can you hear it? I rejoice. I am glad. Divine intervention, uh, influence on the heart and how it reflects in one's life. See, it's not just undeserved favour, but like Paul understood, it went way beyond anything that could be grasped. Beyondness. Now, I think it's absolutely incredible that we can look at this and not be phased and say, Do you know what? That's fantastic. When I look at what Jesus did and said and how he gave his life that wasn't the end of anything in the context of the ongoing outworking of something it might have been the end of closing a chapter but it was ready for the baton to be passed on for Paul to have this revelation and say look something's happened to me that you guys have got to hear about and it's an encounter with grace and I want to ask anybody, if, if you want to say, do you know what? I can't say, I rejoice, I am glad. I would like you, well, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I would like you to just ask God to give you an encounter with grace. And then maybe, who knows, we might be having a, I rejoice, I am glad. What? Sorry. Yeah, relay race. You see, what's next? I think it's lovely that when we've had an encounter with grace, we can pass it on. You see, I can't pass on anything that I don't have. And often we very uh, we get locked into our needs, our depressions. Uh, it was right what Amy says. Sometimes we look at things the way it really is and we wish it wasn't and we start fighting it instead of just saying, let the grace of God encompass it all. And I rejoice and I am glad. Yeah? So I'll tell you what, I don't know whether that's inspired anybody and it doesn't matter. I've done what I felt I needed to do. Grace is massive. Let's not try and dissect the frog and let the frog die in the process. You know, so nobody gets what, what grace is. I've just tried to say that, do you know what? Paul was the one who, and, and I am sad that ultimately that what happened, and I mean, this is how I see it, that the 
church uh, adopts Paul as its premier apostle, but then somehow doesn't glorify the message of grace which he had the encounter of. So yet you end up with them almost going back to embrace the Council of Jerusalem idea while still embracing Paul. It's a bit of a a, a mixture, isn't it? So anyway, I'm done. I just want to just pray at the end. I hope you've had a enjoyed tonight. I hope there's been something that's uh, really touched your heart. Um, We as a church are absolutely, um, what's the word, Uh, sold out to the message of the gospel of grace the message of the gospel of righteousness, which it's all about, something that's been given to us, not because of what we are, but what somebody else says. But beyond that, there is a whole bunch more. And I hope that even in, in your um, difficulties and struggles, you will remember that, that grace uh, comes from, I will rejoice. I rejoice and I am glad. So let's just pray before we go. God, we're just so grateful that throughout the ages you have kept making sure that your story um, is getting told by someone and being told the way that you want it to be told. There might be those who distort it. There might be people who mess, it, mess with it and, and make it so that it, it excludes rather than includes. But we thank you, Lord, that what you gave to Paul as this incredible revelation was one of inclusivity. It was one of making sure that, that no one would be left out. And, and, and tonight, Lord, as we, we just saying these words over this group of people, I just say grace be unto them all. May they have an encounter with your grace, with your unconditional love, with your kindness, with your mercy. Help them to understand that everything is working all around them for their good and it will only ever take them closer to the understanding of your, your great love and your great care. So Father, as we go now, give us, just give us safety, give us help, give us understanding and, and may we just take this incredible gospel of grace into a, into a graceless world where there are people starving for an understanding that it's okay. And may we all just shine uh, with the I rejoice and I am glad face because of the grace we've understood. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks very much. See you, well, Wednesday if you want to come. It's good. But uh, have a great week. Thank you.